What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Joining us today is Michelle Howe-Clark of Face Forward You. Michelle is an award-winning author, entrepreneur, and inspirational speaker. She's also a thriver of disfiguring head and neck cancer since 2004. This experience and the journey she took after led her to face forward in a way she never had before. She chose to turn towards her best self and face the most troubling circumstances she ever had experienced. During this journey, she discovered specific tools and awareness practices that have helped her to face forward, survive, and ultimately thrive. As a Quantum Success Coaching Academy Certified Life Coach, she has resources for every hard corner to navigate. Each day, many people's lives are devastated by illness, loss of a loved one, divorce, and more. Finding the strength to overcome such shattering events can be difficult and feel lonely. You don't have to do it alone anymore. Today, we will take Michelle's hand and walk this journey together because your best life yet is waiting. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so wonderful to be here. And it's great that you have gathered energy and sending it out into the ether so that receptive ears can find the data and resources to help themselves become better. So good on you, Brendan. Thank you. Much appreciated. So let's, uh, I like to start from the beginning. Um, Tell me a little bit about where you're from and, and your childhood. Awesome. So I got to sing my little bit of a jingle so that everyone can get acquainted with like the the truth of me. So (laughs) so I'm I'm Michelle Howe Clark and I am I am your thrive guide into the flow of your divine design shine. Let's go. So that's my kind of where all of my transformation has led me. So I started out in Long Island, New York, Suffolk County, grew up in East Islip. I know that area because uh, I grew up on Long Island and my parents were lawyers and I believe there's a courthouse in that vicinity. There is. (laughs) It's at the town of Islip, but yes, yes. Okay, so you grew up in that area and go on. So I um, came from, you know, by the ocean, so pretty free-spirited, always trying to do my own thing, you know, made a big yearbook with, uh, (laughs) you know, she did it her way was like the title of the book of my photo album of high school, always smiling though, like I smiled my way through everything. And during that time in my life, I started to doodle a drawing of what is now my logo, and her name is Reach. And she was always there for me, kind of like in the back of my pen during class. And she ended up on a leather coat in college. But, and I also went to Tony Robbins like sometime in 2000. And I don't know what drove me to do it. 
because I had to go alone and walk across fire and stay at the Meadowlands like by myself. And I was this investment banker that was smiling my way through everything. And then it was like I was equipping myself. Reach was in my corner. I went and walked across fire. So I knew I was resilient. And then devastation right? Like I was married. I had a beautiful baby girl, six months old. I was a vice president investment banker at JP Morgan. I was rolling in the money. And all of a sudden, I had a tremendous pain behind my ear on my right side. And over time, I just needed to get it investigated. I had to advocate for myself because nobody could feel it. No one could see it, but I could feel it, right? So ultimately, there was something. I went in for a day operation. I was supposed to be out a half day, back home, back to work in two days, and came out like 12 hours later, shaking from the anesthesia, my husband sobbing on my legs to the news that I had advanced head and neck cancer and that they couldn't get it all. And there was more to come, right? And I so was that, like- And that was your first time seeing someone about this? Well, it was the, I, we, they knew that they were going to re- remove a benign tumor. Okay. So af- I advocated for myself. They looked down my nose with the scope. They put needles in my neck and looked for by you know masses. I was told to have a great Christmas, not to worry, all was well. Couldn't find anything. Then they were like, "Okay, we found a little mass. We know it's benign." They put the needle in, very long needle, right, like four inch needle. Put the needle in, benign. Went to get that benign tumor removed in a half day operation. Mm-hmm. and a day operation they call it and you know come out 12 hours later with the news that I have aggressive cancer growing throughout my right facial nerves mm-hmm. so throughout all of my facial nerves there was cancer it went down into my shoulder into my neck into my ear canal so it was it was shocking and when the doctor came and he was telling me that you know maybe I would consider leaving everything because the chances were so low that I'd live and why disfigure myself this is a New York plastic surgeon so you're from Long Island so you kind of get this yeah his main his main client is there to like beautify (laughs) I'm just this I'm this odd case and he's got to slow sew up a neck right put an ear back on right Right. so (laughs) so he's like hey maybe you want to die beautiful and I had a six-month-old daughter And so in that moment, I felt what I call the thrive drive engage. Mm -hmm. And it was like an anchor into the soil of my soul. And it tiniest little morphined out voice said, but I have a six month old daughter. Mm -hmm. And it was like in that statement, I took a stake and I put it in the ground and I said, I will live until I die. No more dying to live. So I went on to learn that I would have to sacrifice all of my right facial nerves, that I would likely slur and drool food and never speak correctly again, that my chances of life were very low to six months and very highly improbable to two, three, or four years. And what year was that? This was 2003. So in 2003, they said your lifespan will be six months to two years? Pretty much, and that's the statistics of this very unique cancer. Um, it, but, and, 
that wasn't that wasn't what I agreed to. But it yeah. was very, you know, it was a five operation, one and a half year journey, you know, and there was many, many uh, affecting steps that that taught me to bring myself back to the heartbeat, right? Mm -hmm. That taught me that life is in the sky. Mm. Yeah. You know, that you can, you can feel it in the wind. Mm. It's right, it's right there for you. And for you going forward with the procedures, it sounded like it was not even a hard decision at all. You knew that this was what you wanted and you had your child. Correct. I mean, there was no, there was no agreement to die yet. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what my chances were, but I had not agreed that it was, I was ready. But it wasn't that that was my thought. My thought was, where am I in this? Yeah. Right? What's, what's left of me? When they take yeah. away the one thing that I did all the time was smile. Yeah. How, how did you, as you went through, if, if you want to keep going with your story, please go ahead. But I, no, I'll, I, yeah, yeah. It's all you, all you. Okay. okay. I, I was just going to say, first of all, thank you for, for sharing this and, and being so vulnerable. This is um, so grateful for this opportunity. Awesome. And what I, what I want to ask is, um, you know, in the, in those moments, uh, like one thing that I've noticed is that people identify with certain things externally for security and self-esteem and validation. Like, you know, how many Instagram followers I have or how much money I'm making or how big my house is. And, you know, that to me is easier to say, all right, well, I know it can be hard. You might have this kind of like fulfillment or validation coming from these things. And we have to learn how to go inside yourself to really feel secure. And it sounds like for you, something actually very healthy that gave you validation and security in, in, your, in your body and your smile and everything was taken from you. And so I'm curious how you dealt with that and how you responded in order to find the self-esteem and the self-love when something, I, perhaps externally in the concept of looks, but still kind of part of your physical body was something that had to go. Right. I mean, there was many layers. Um, and it's kind of funny because I'm still processing to this day. Like it took me until 2017 to realize, like I was shy to go on social media and like video and I could speak to a room full of people. Mm -hmm. But to go on a camera and like go on in front, like without my shades, like that I wear like because my, my eye doesn't close. So, mm -hmm. you know, I wear like a tinted glass all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, and you know, it doesn't close, you got to have it from the wind. So I have tinted glasses that I wear, but people want to see you, right? So in 2017, I was still shy to do that. Like I was shy, like for high school friends to like see me or something. Mm -hmm. And so, so I, um, so I went to this conference, a very good conference full of wonderful people. And I realized in that forum of, of building up, you know, energy why it's so important people just like whoever's listening to gather together with like-minded people because you're it entrains your energy to have better decision-making abilities so everybody listening don't forget to group together talk about what you love because you'll have better ideas and you'll have more of a mastermind because when people group together and talk about things they're enthusiastic about it creates another mind a universal mind that you're tapping into naturally by doing something you love 
So side note on that. But with that being said, you know, um, of course, I lost my way back to your question. So take me back there. <laughs> no worries. I, I, I was, uh, I, I just want to say thank you for sharing that because yes, the, the energy and the, the people that you connect with is, is really invaluable and, and probably critical to, to going on this type of journey. So thank you for sharing that with our audience. And what I wanted, what I was asking was, you know, I think a lot of people get validation from things externally, especially nowadays with social media and you know, something was taken from you that yep. you could argue is maybe external, you know, it's looks, right? But it was also but as it part was of the physical. Yeah. yeah. And it was it used was in a real, used, yeah. Go ahead. It was used as like a weapon for me. It was the total mask. It was what I hid behind. I used it all the time. So when it was taken from me, it revealed, um, you know, so what I was afraid to do to get back to the point was mm -hmm. that I was, I was afraid to be revealed, right? So that ties those yeah. two things right together. And I was at this conference and it reminded me the only person that did not want to see me was me, right? So whenever something that is taken from you that is not of your soul, your spirit, your ether, your, your being, it is not of you right? It's, a, it's exterior. So it always is to remember, even if it's a, an ability, right? Like my mother has lost the use of her right arm. That is very debilitating. So it is, it is, a, it is critical to detach yourself from your meat suit, right? Your meat suit is your gift of manifestation. It is a gift to you. If you lose part of it, you are still very gifted, for you are not of ether, you are actually manifest and able to create with your thought. So it is so we are so powerful that all of this is very inconsequential, but so consequential because we have to also agree that we're not Buddha, we're not meant to sit under a tree, we are meant to be very much here present in our lives, but always being the person who is perceiving and not the reactor of events. Our perception is our first and number one go-to in any lost situation. How am I telling myself the story of these facts? The facts are cold, they're clinical, right? The interpretation we build around the cold, hard facts is how we cause ourselves suffering. And Brendan, I could, I really want to bring in a point. Would you mind if I just took this into what we're all in the middle of a crisis of? Uh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. Excellent. So what you're talking about with this, looking at the material and looking for value and, and then having to deal with loss or comparison mm -hmm. is the fact that we are under a crisis it's a quintuple crisis, the quint D threat. So distraction, how many followers do I have? We are literally scrolling the length of the, Liber of the Statue of Liberty. That's about three miles. Mm -hmm. Every day, scrolling with our finger, three miles a day. We are picking up our devices one to 400 times a day. We have ourselves about 60,000 thoughts a day. Mm 
And we are given about 100,000 data points to process a day. We are in a crisis of distraction that is leading us to dependence, whether it be drugs or overeating, over shopping, over social media, over comparing, right? Over watching TV. It could be, right? We're, so we have, we're dependent, we're depressed. The rates of depression and suicide, if you can believe, Brendan, the rate of suicide has like, it is, I think it is almost a 400% increase in 20 years. Okay. It's radical. It's radical. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's radical. Oh, so I'm glad, I'm glad this is uh, the, the tangent you wanted to go on because this is something I'm extremely, extremely passionate about. Um, Absolutely. So, so yeah. continue, continue, please, because this is really good. Awesome. I appreciate you. So, you know, we're depressed, you know, that's clear in women two times as much as men. So it's really, it's really a powerful thing, you know, it takes us away from our lives. And we are also dealing with diabetes at a rate that is insane, not type one, type two, which is a choice, right? Type two is a lifestyle. Yeah. Type two is over time. Yep. And, and, and we also disease, right? Diabetes and disease because disease is taking us like heart disease is one in four death. So it, it's like, it's time to heal, come back to the source of the truth, right? That we are not these meat suits, but they are our gift. And we are able to take our power back by taking our focus, our focus, right? So there's several ways to use your focus, right? You can perceive, you can get ahead of those perceptions because we're highly evolution, we're, we're highly evolved, right? Millions of years evolved. And so we have the ability to leverage all these evolutionary stable systems if we choose. But most of the time, because we're so distracted, these evolutionary systems are working our asses, right? We're getting worked over. Our minds are leading us. Our thoughts are leading us. We're not leading our thoughts. We're, we're, we're reacting to our days. Sadly, Brendan, the Pareto principle plays out here, right? The wonderful Pareto principle, which shows itself everywhere. The mm -hmm. economic principle of putting 20% in and getting 80% results, right? Yep. The, your local neighborhood roads, you know, 20% of your roads are used 80% of the time. Your, your rug, right? Your walking carpet, 20% of it is used 80% of the time, right? Your stairwells, you can see it as you walk up. Yep. Here, we have 3% of people that understand they have a vision of their future. 3% of us have a vision of the future. 17% of us have a hazy, phasy, vague kind of idea, perhaps. And 79% of us have no bleeding clue where we're going, what we're doing, why we're here, what our purpose is, how to use this fantastic superpowers that we came enabled with. Literally, it makes me shake. There's so much unawakened potential that can shape and change this planet at such a radical light speed, and it's ours to harness. So with that evolutionary power that we have, this evolutionary force, which I call the thrive drive, when we engage it, right, we're able to leverage our mind. We're able to leverage nature, the, the movements of the moon to work for us instead of like, because we are moved as much by the moon as tides are. And if you're unaware where the moon is and how you react to the lady, 
<laughs> your life is always going to seem out of control. Yeah. But if, you, if you're able to just glance up at the moon and say, oh, baby's half full. I feel this way generally. Then it's not such a reaction to everything. And it's such a basic grounding of attention and force. It's like jumping on a trampoline. When you begin to notice something as simple as the, as the, moment, as the movements of the moon in a, in a way that's actual, you're dedicating energy three seconds a day over 30 days and actually see a whole cycle, you're gathering gravitational force to you like an attractor magnet you're beginning to understand the workings of just a little bit of focused energy. You begin to get a trend that makes a difference how you think. And I'm going to pause there because I could go on all day. Yeah, no, that's, that's really, uh, it's really important that you're sharing these statistics. I, I read somewhere that two, I think two of the only three causes of death in this country that are rising are suicide and drug overdose, which to me, kind of very similar things uh, in terms of addiction and mental health. And, uh, and I appreciate you sharing those statistics about social media. It's, it's wild that you know, people scroll the length of the Statue of Liberty. That's, um, that's, that's really, it's really sad. So I want to ask you a couple of questions there, but first I just want to loop back to your story um, and get the kind of rest of the picture, which is you said that it was in 2003, you were told, that um, given the uh, the type of head and neck cancer you have, it would be like a six month to two year transition process. That was what they expected for you. And then you share that you went on a one and a half year journey of, I'm, I'm assuming treatment um, and, and things like that. I'm curious kind of how that went. And then, you know, for the last say 10 or 15 years, uh, what the rest of the health journey was like and, and where you're at now. Um, and obviously very interested in, your mindset and the strength and the power and your thriving nature and how you were able to work through that as well. Very cool. Very cool. So yeah, it was really rigorous because it was, you know, 16 inch cuts. It, it's removing your full face. Uh, so your ears moved aside, your whole flesh is removed from your face. Your neck is, is, you know, I have a huge scar down my neck. Um, I have, a, you know, my, so and that was done five times, right? So, and, and but what happened was I ended up having an infection right in the location of my surgical site. And my doctor, I did change doctors, and this is something that I always have to state, people who are in urgent situations, particularly a cancer diagnosis, I really want people to listen because one in three of us are going to be in this situation for sure, okay? When you get the news, please don't just follow the course of medicine mm -hmm. because you have, if, you, if it took you three years to find it, you've got two months to ask a couple people what they think. Yeah, yeah, that's good. You gotta pause, you have to feel that you were injured. You have to fall down because if you don't, then you move through it and it stays with you like a long tail dragging an albatross with you all the time you have to deal with the shadow you have to deal with the choice you have to deal with giving yourself time to process and then make the next best choice for you so that's what i had to do i had to find a doctor that had compassion that would never in a million years say hey maybe you want to die beautiful yeah 
So my doctor said to me, he said, I'm going to get you to your daughter's wedding. That's a doctor I like. Correct. And that's the kind of team, you know, Dr. Cosentino, anyone who needs a head and neck doctor, he, his team is like, let's live. Now, as I was going through this, I had this infection. Now, this thing was disgusting, gross, and grody, guys. Like, it was terrible. I was like elephant woman, first of all. My head was so swollen. And then I had fissures, which are really crazy nature creations, people. Like holes that grow from your inside out. Your body creates a hole to excrete the, the, um, all of the pus, right? All of the toxins. So I had two holes created by my own body coming out of my ear, <laughs> green oozing pus all day, every day for like a year. Wow. Crazy. So tell, tell me about, tell me about um, this, this doctor, Constantino and, and his attitude and, uh, you know, uh, uh, confidence, optimism, positive, you know, like, and real, gen- genuine. I'm, I'm, I want to learn more about him. Yeah. And so let's correct his name because he has such a, a common name. We always get it wrong. It's Cosentino. Cosentino. Instead, yeah, exactly. So just don't want people not to be able to get him. Yeah. So Dr. Cosentino, he is a doctor who is with uh, the New York uh, uh, Jewish, it's a huge, but he's with Lex- Lexington Hospital now. So in New York City. And he is actually, he worked on the team that was um, the woman who got bitten by the dog back in, in, in France. And it was like the first full face transplant. Mm-hmm. It was, and it was successful. So it was like way, way, way back. It might've been the chimpanzee, but it was very traumatic and it was France. It was a major headline. And he was one of the like two doctors chosen to go and reconstruct this woman's face. So I was in the best care of like anyone that has taken apart a human in the brain. I was also in very scary ERs. Like, you know, um, you know, when you, after you have a surgery, it was like the highly acute, you know, surgical recovery and you're completely incapacitated. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's a very scary situation, but my husband was awesome and he stayed with me uh, many times, but Dr. Cosentino's team, it, you know, there's Clarita at that time there was Claudia. I mean, the fact that I still know these people's names, it, they were just so like, come on, baby, we're going to do this, you know? And I wasn't afraid to ask for what I needed you know, because you have to be able to ask for what you need. Like, for example, in my fourth operation, I was having panic attacks. Like, I couldn't imagine going into that surgical room again. Holy cow. So I said, get me, you know, shoot me up, give me something. You know what I mean? And yeah. I went in sing, I went in singing ditties. Like, hey, it's good. <laughs> you know, do your thing. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, uh, so that worked out. But he was, he's a good man. He's, he's, he married one of his, you know, he helped a woman that was really, really very sick and they've had a very long relationship. And he's like that type of guy. Like he's someone who believes in life and sees life no matter what the chances look like for you. Hmm. Yeah, I really, I really like that. And I just want to point out that in many different areas of life, whether it's medicine or legal or county like i'm just you meet people that they look at your situation and they say 
yeah, you know, I, I don't think it's going to work. And, and in their brain, they're maybe thinking about one or two things that they can do. And then there's uh, people like this doctor who just say, you know what, we're, we're going to make this work. We're going to figure it out. We're going to try everything. We're going to stay positive or exhaust all options here. And we're going to get this done. And I think having that attitude is what really makes people thrive and live and be successful and get their dreams accomplished. I know it's not nearly in the same magnitude um, as what we're talking about with your health journey, but you know, when I work with people in business and it's like, I'm just trying to, you know, figure out a way. And I like to always be totally creative and open and think differently and say, let's make this work, you know? And then exactly. you, you see people who are going to say, all right, let's do it. Let's figure this out no matter what. And then there's other people who say, yeah, you know, I made one call to one person and they said, no. So I stopped working on it, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> so uh, I really, I really appreciate that. And, uh, that's great. So, so um, you talked more about the journey and, and then where did that lead, lead to where you are today in terms of your health and um, this journey? Awesome. So there's so much to the, the, the science of universal law, right? Nature is working and it's creating trees from seeds. Each one of us came with a seed of excellence within us. And I call that your divine design right? I, I say it's all about you, your own uniqueness, you. But your you, the inspiration, all, that, all the things that you're enthusiastic about leads to the need to take action, right? So here I am, wounded like a little animal, literally broken, and then the doctors are giving you like 300 you know, Oxycontin, like, hey, just get high. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so like, oh, it was man. a choice. It was a choice. My husband's so embarrassed. He had to go and like get this prescription filled. And it was like a vat. It literally, like he was, it was the wake up call. It was like, I can't go that route. I can't be high. I just can't sit in a rocking chair and be all warm and fuzzy away from my driving little girl. So I decided to attach myself to the growth, right? What did I need to do? I needed to leave Long Island City where I walked my little poodle, you know, my cockapoo with all the other dog walkers, right? And took the seven train into Grand Central. I needed to leave that concept and go to where, so for some reason, after 9-11, my husband and I needed earth. We needed a place to go to. We needed a place to feel like we were connected, mm-hmm. not just be stuck in the city because we were right there on the 59th Street Bridge when mm-hmm. the second plane hit and we were on top of our Jeep. Like, holy, what the you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and then we crossed over, like, where were we going? You know what I mean? You were on the bridge. So we had to continue the journey. And it was like New York City that day was like a movie scene with the papers flying around and nobody in the streets. Yeah. And then I, yeah. And then I had to like walk over 59th Street Bridge and there was like thousands of us walking quietly together. It was crazy. <laughs> With all that being said, we needed this earth. So we went and we got this earth. So I had a choice. I could stay in Long Island City and like wither in what I was, or I could gather myself and leave. And I gathered myself and my husband and I, we left. We owned a food truck before food trucks were a thing. And we were doing movie production catering. And my husband is a chef photographer. And so we brought our truck and we built an industrial food route. Okay. So I called because what could I do? I could speak. Okay. So there were a couple of miracles, people. I got to talk about miracles just for a quick second. Miracle number one. I woke up from my operation and my right eye was still blinking. Okay. And there were no nerves connecting my right eye. Mm -hmm. 
but for some reason my eye blinks now it doesn't close like a normal eye it doesn't blink like a normal eye but it closes enough to stay lubricated right so uh, my doctors wanted to come in that morning and put a gold weight in my eye and I was like slurring but I was telling my husband that I could blink and he thought he understood me and he said I thought so the doctor came in crossed his arm said show me I blinked he said show me again I blinked he said well it's not going to last and it lasted 17 years people okay so my eye is still blinking with no nerves second miracle i have regenerated a full nerve okay i didn't have anything to attach and make new nerves like they would do with like a piece of your hamstring nerve and tie it up in your cheek i didn't have anything to attach to so they were like that's an out no option i just left everything alone and over years i grew a whole nerve back I regenerated a nerve, a main facial nerve, so that I can grin. Okay, I, you guys are listening to me. I do have a little bit of a lisp, but I am not, I am not, a, you guys understand me. That's like a miracle in itself. And, I, and my fourth miracle, well, there's many, but my son, who I wasn't supposed to have, I had a daughter, right, and a son now, and I had him seven years later against the odds, of the no-nos, right? No, 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 no. And yes, 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 he's still alive and he's nine. You know what I mean? My marriage is still together. It had its twists, it has its turns, right? Life, the marriage is long, people. You go through friendship, you go through deep love, you go through passion, you go through forgiveness. Like, hold on. Everybody hold on to your partners. Like, don't give them up. You got to bend. Be like yeah. a willow. You yeah. have to bend. You have to forgive. Life is rugged. It will take yeah. you by the winds, but you have your perception. You have your reaction. You're able to come home to yourself. There is a system to engage Thrive Drive. So what happened? I took myself into the high chi of the mountains of Pennsylvania, and I sat on rocks connecting to earth. I moved energy through my chakra system. I breathed life through Qigong. I held my daughter and looked at the sky and studied the Tao, right? <laughs> and then I, during the day, I put my hat on backwards. I went back to college and I cooked burgers for all the industrial guys that I made on our housing route. They built houses, industrial, fab, you know, prefabricated houses. And we sold to all the guys and the truckers. And I didn't have to be seen, but I could cook burgers. I could fry fries. You know what I mean? And so, and then, and then I started investing in real estate because I love real estate and America's built on real estate. And I learned how to flip and make money off of little houses all over upstate, you know, upper Northeast Pennsylvania and into Syracuse. Difficult business being a landlord, but I learned and I was able to, to, to seen, do what I needed to do, right? To live. And I, and all the while I was writing, writing, you know, it was very cathartic for me, writing, writing, writing. And I, and I was always a writer. I had journals since I was forever. And uh, that began my first book, Face Forward, you know, Navigating Challenges. And that is all about how you can stand any situation and begin to use universal law. You know, everyone says the law of attraction, but if you only think what I put out, I receive, you don't know all the other workings. Polarity is working. Rhythm is working. You know, there, there are many, many other pieces that if you're aware of, you can start to, the goal of engaging Thrive Drive is to get your mindset to grow good everybody should want to grow good in their lives. 
we want to be able to take our energy and our focus as to a point where we are controlling our conscious state when we're awake more than 64% of the time. That is a very, very difficult call. I'll give you an example people can try. Try this, people. Every time you walk through a doorway for the next week or forever, however you want to do it, I do forever because I like to always be aware. Every time you walk through a doorway, say to yourself, I'm going through this doorway like a superhero. I love that. Yeah. And guess what you're going to do? Guess what I did? Superman? I tried, <laughs> I tried that for a week. Yeah. I tried that for a week. And at the end of the week, I said, how many times did I remember a doorway? And I was like, uh, a wit? The door? <laughs> wait, wait a second. So then I tried again and I invited friends. Bring friends into the picture, right? Together, yeah. let's agree that we're going to go through doorways like a superhero. How many did we do by week two? Two? <laughs> it's such an everyday common thing to catch yourself in automation. We're highly evolved people. We are totally automated. Many of us drive to work. We don't even know the mechanics of how we got there. We just go from A to B, making lists in our head. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I, yeah, I want. I just want to share uh, a similar, very similar story, which is I I live in Manhattan right now in an apartment building and. I was in the the area uh, where the elevator is. I was waiting for the elevator, and I look at my door, and it's got in huge, huge letters. It says six A. It's just like massive in black. And I've been living here, Michelle, for three <laughs> or more than three years, and I've never noticed that. And I yeah. look, and I looked at or at the other apartments on the hall. I walked around. I looked, and they're all really small. Like they have like little white lettering, maybe like two inches size and they all conform. They're all the same. But mine, for whatever reason, is black. It's painted on and it's probably a foot long high. And I never noticed that in three and a half years. And I had a bit of a freak out moment. Like, how could I not realize that? I'm telling you. Huh. The yeah. And that's what the kind of power like that's in that everyday task of becoming aware, right, mm -hmm. of that doorway and that every doorway yeah. is a threshold back to your memory of your power. Because when you begin to go through almost every doorway, you'll remember and you'll forget because we're human and we're like that, right? But you're going to remember to remind yourself more and more. And we can't be perfect because that's not how we're made. But we can give it a good old try and get to a, like a D average in life. Mm -hmm. Just a D average can grow good. Like literally you can plant seeds of thought in your mind and grow them into the manifest. It is real. I live in a dream. My husband and I, we put together a vision board of what we wanted to live. Like if I ever could buy my dream home. And he was like, he wanted this asymmetrical, crazy, like architectural design, wood, blah, blah, blah. And he wanted it a mile from the beach. My daughter wanted a pool. My son wanted you know this uh, and my son and my, and my husband wanted an acre and they wanted it a mile from the beach we live in that house i was able to manifest that through my reo because i work real estate as you guys know i like to work on distressed real estate and me being able to see a potential in a place that no one was seeing it i was able to win it at auction do you know what i mean like Life is a journey that we're acquiring skills because we are intended to go somewhere. But if we have no freaking clue, like the 79%, like imagine you get on a plane 
And the pilot's like, hey, I got 20% chance of getting you guys there, ready to go. I don't think you're going to get on that plane, but we're all walking around not knowing where we're going because we don't know what our future looks like. Begin to allow your desires. Give yourself permission to have a vision of who you want to be. You know what I mean? Shoot for the stars. You'll get to the moon. I love that. What, what, a, what a perfect point to, uh, to conclude here. So uh, before, before I ask you to share your books and where people can find you, let's just do a, a final question, which is, you know, anyone right now, let's, let's tie it back to what you were talking about earlier with, you know, we have problems with the way people are eating and using social media and depression and suicide is all rising. What would you say to people who are listening? Um, one actionable thing they could do to uh, stay on track, you know, good mental health, good energy, good mindset. Excellent. 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 So uh, there is two immediate things that I'd like people to get acquainted with. And one is that the air you breathe holds the chi that is the stuff of life. The air you breathe connects you to every living creature on this planet. The air you breathe is a source of regeneration. If you at the top of every hour just set an alarm or just once a day, try it like a beginner and allow yourself to exhale because most of us, as Terry McMillan would say, are waiting to exhale. We are just holding our breath. You cannot learn to inhale well until you exhale all of your stress. So allow your exhale to be a release of everything you don't want and begin to realize that we need to breathe slow and low. And the other thing is to remember those doorways. Get back grounded into the mindfulness of now, where your power resides. Become present to the present because it is a gift. And walk through that doorway like a superhero because, my friend, you really are. Wow. Powerful, powerful stuff. I'm so, so grateful. Um, where can people find you to learn more about your speaking, your books, and on all of this stuff? Excellent. I would just head right on over to face forward you, right? So you got to face forward in this life and it's face forward Y-O-U. And at face forward you, I have some gifts waiting for you. I've got a free alpha meditation. That's the other thing. Everybody slow down because it's all in alpha, which is just a couple degrees less than beta where we operate normally. If you can start to slow down, you can get so much more done. So grab your free meditation or grab your free five-day life reset. We want you guys thriving. We need your light. You are shining stars, and it's time to shine the light of your divine design. Wow. Absolutely. So everyone, just so you know, it's faceforwardyou.com. And right on the homepage, right at the top, it says five day life reset and faster meditation. They're both free gifts that Michelle is so kind to share with, with you all. And Michelle, I just want to say thank you for blessing us with your joy, your energy, love, and your extremely powerful story. Um, thank you for shining your light on us today. And thank you for coming on my show. Awesome, Brendan. Thanks for being a beacon and a lighthouse. We really appreciate your light. Yep, my pleasure.